Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. To help us navigate uh, our year in review is the executive editor for the Erie Times News and GoErie.com. Matt Martin joins us via Zoom. Hey, Matt, uh, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, sir. To you as well. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. All righty. So it's been a little while since we've chatted last, and uh, we're still doing these COVID things, and, and, and honestly, it doesn't feel like a whole lot has changed, although much has changed because of the of the vaccinations and so on. When you kind of look at everything on a 30,000-foot uh, uh, view you know, here at the end of 2021, what, what occurs to you, Matt? Well, you, you said it. Nothing's changed and everything has changed. It feels like a continuation of the past uh, you know, nearly two years now, and yet vaccines and the number of folks who are vaccinated, who have been boosted, who are uh, who have come through COVID and have some level of immunity, all these things are really important and have changed what we what we know and and uh, worry about in our community. the The return of of the number of cases and the numbers we're seeing now is incredibly worrisome. Yeah. Um, but greater than that, we know now. A year ago, we were counting cases. Now we're wondering what that does to our hospitals and how many people are hospitalized and and the effect on the, the the healthcare system. So we're talking about the right things and talking about different things, but it would be wonderful if at the end of this year we were talking about the story of the year being the end of COVID and not the continuation of COVID. And that's what we were hoping for, and that really hasn't been the case. Uh, does, it, does the sheer uh, destruction that COVID has left in its wake – uh, become one of the this has got to be one of the top stories, if not the story, because we went from a couple hundred people passing away to COVID now that we're well over 600 in Erie County. Right. And it's it's a tragedy. It's an unthinkable tragedy um, for a number of reasons. I've been looking at, at various data about COVID. And we, have, we have 648 people known to have died of COVID since March of last year. And that's a number that's ramping up in the fourth quarter of this year. Mm-hmm. Um we, um, I just saw a number today from the, the Census Bureau that put out its population estimates that uh, the most recent year was the worst year for population growth since the start of the country, literally going back to the Revolutionary War. That wasn't all due to COVID, but the COVID deaths had an uh, impact on that. Um, the, the average lifespan uh, was reduced by 1.67 years in the last two years in the United States. These are astounding numbers and really start to, to allow the impact of, of this disease to sink in when you start thinking of it like that. Here at home, again, we're talking about 648 people and climbing uh, 36,000 something uh, of cases, hospitals that are having to surge COVID units and and uh, and a really a vaccination rate that has been uh, stymieing a lot of the efforts here. We uh, both uh, both uh, David Bruce, your intrepid uh, health uh, reporter at the paper, and I talked about you know Kathy Dell Kemper straight out in her press conference last week saying 
I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed at vaccine uh, at, um, acceptance here in Erie County. Does that surprise you, or is it, it, is it tell a deeper story of the really the kind of county that we live in? It, it, it surprises me in, in the sense that we're in the year 2021, and, and for all of our lives, all of us uh, rely upon the, the, the advances in the medical system and in science and uh, come to a point where they can really benefit us and we don't take advantage of them. Um, I was talking to someone this morning about the, the 1918 flu, and really which was the start of microbiology as we know it today. Uh, there was so much that was unknown about what was happening and and how to treat those who had that terrible flu at that time. And of course, it was far more deadly, it had greater impact around the world, which is really saying something when you look at what's happening today. But those folks would have given anything to have some of the advances that we have now uh, and put them to use and save those lives. Um, so it, there is a, a real difficulty in understanding some of the uh, pushback against this, uh, right. just from a logical standpoint. It, it is true, and and it doesn't seem like it follows typical left-right, red-blue kind of uh, uh, worldviews, right? Um, it, there seems to be more to this. There seems to be an element of of years of of you know experimentation and uh, some really horrible things happening to, to communities of color, and and so that's bringing out hesitancy. I also think, honestly, Matt, and again, you're a communicator, right? I feel like the communication hasn't always been to the to the top shelf like it could be. I really don't feel like they've really sold the vaccine very well, both on a national level and locally. I think that's probably true. And, and certainly we would be at fault for, for a piece of that. Um, it's it's a hard story to get it's to get around. At least it was at the beginning, because what do you have uh, as people are learning about it and telling us what it is and how it works and how we're going to combat it? Really, what we have are the numbers. And so that's what our early reporting was, the numbers. And that gets both really depressing and, and scary and, um, you know, sets a tone right away that that still resonates today. We still hear about that. More numbers, uh, more of the same. In our reporting, we're trying to do some different things and really focus on the numbers that matter, but also tell stories about the people who are fighting this, the people who are affected by it, um, regrettably who have died about it or died from it. And... Uh, the messaging has gotten a little more concise, uh, but it's still confused. You have federal, state, local messaging. The local messaging here might be different than in a surrounding county or a surrounding state in which the region, we should be looking at the region, but we're only looking at our county. So you're absolutely right. There is a a disconnect between some of the messaging and and between what you do with masks and, and who may or may not be vaccinated. There's a lot of confusion. and. and Rightly so, um, but I, I think if you if you follow the through line, you you see where the science is going and understand that the science is happening in real time to some degree, some you, great degree. You are you are a, a strong believer in metrics, and you really identify with uh, what you know what is being read, what is being consumed, what's not being. Uh, again, this is close to twenty four months of reporting here on COVID. 
Has there been any diminishing factor as far as you can see of uh, people just getting tired and sick of stories about COVID in, on Go Erie? Uh, the, the routine stories, the stories that have importance but are routine in the way in which they're presented, mm. the daily numbers, even the weekly numbers. When we go deeper, when we're able to tell you, you something new um, or make this very personal, uh, this is something that your your neighbor suffered through or fought. Um, those stories do particularly well. And so we try to use those opportunities to impart some new information or important information and uh, and continually help folks figure out where to get uh, tested, where to get um, vaccinated or boosted. Do you feel like as as a community leader, that Erie has had all of the resources that we've needed uh, to combat this virus, or is there is there something to be said that uh, the Philly and Pittsburgh are still just in a better place because they're the center of the hospital systems, they have the direct connections to the the state health department and so on, and we sometimes still stick out like a sore thumb when it comes to Harrisburg and, and resources. Uh, certainly, those things would be beneficial to those much larger population centers. Um, you know, they're going to have more re- resources available to them, um, but they've also had really significant outbreaks uh, to deal with, just like we have. I, I would I would say that our county health department has done a remarkable job. Um, we're, we're incredibly fortunate to have a local health department um, that we can work with. And certainly that gets political because it is under the auspices of the county. But the folks who do that work are not political. They just want to help the folks who live in this in this county stay healthy and make good choices for themselves and their families. By and large, they've been able to do that. Certainly there have been times when they wanted more resources. Uh, they didn't yell about it. Um, but I would bet that they you know, privately would tell you if only we had X, Y, or Z um, at a particular time, it would have been would have been helpful to us if we had more information. Um, if we had, uh, we were able to, to get more tests to people sooner, whatever the case may be. I don't want to put words in their mouths, right. but that there, there are pivotal moments at which they probably could have used more help. But I, I think they've done a remarkable job. And as Melissa Lyon departs for a, a new position uh, on the east side of the state, you know, we'll miss her and it'll be. Um, Interesting to see uh, what the follow-up is. You have very good people who are who are staying behind, who are on her staff, uh, who can carry on this fight. Um, but how that what that looks like going forward will be will be interesting. Your panel of judges uh, chose the Erie County Department of Health for a commitment to Erie Award uh, presented by the Erie Times News. What's the significance of that? Um, what other organization took on such an outside role, outsized role this year um, in the place that we all call home? Uh, certainly that, that looks at businesses, but it also looks at nonprofits and organizations such as this uh, county health department. It's, it's a little different than what we normally do, but the, the impact they've had or, and attempted to have um, is certainly indicative of the commitment they've showed to Erie. It's definitely uh, conclusive that COVID-19 is still with us. It's still the number one story. It still dominates the, you know, above the fold on 1A of the Erie Times News nearly every day. 
That's right. And we, we can hope it goes away. We can, we can hope we see the, the trend that we're all desiring to see. Um, and that really shows up in, our, in the numbers of new cases in our community and the number of people being treated, uh, particularly in the hospital. Right. But uh, when that happens, we don't know. We'll see what Omicron means for our community um, when, we, when we're certain that it has arrived. Uh, in the meantime, Delta is still a, a nasty brute, and um, we need to find a way to get through yet another winter. What we're dealing with this year that's so different, and, and it'll help us expand our, our, uh, our focus out a little bit here, is the idea of workforce shortages and supply chain shortages. And it, these, are, these are concepts that are pretty foreign to Erie, Pennsylvania. The Erie workforce narrative has always been – Eight app or eight to ten applicants, maybe twenty applicants for every job. Now it's like twenty jobs for every applicant. And if you're trying to find an acute care nurse, and or you know somebody to come to your plant, or even just do entry level jobs. I mean, there's hundreds of jobs available in healthcare alone right now in Erie County. Uh, what what is your uh, what are your your uh, your uh, journalists? What are they hearing about where we're at workforce wise? Well, of course, we're no different than anybody else if you look around the country. But it's a problem that started before COVID. Um, our our industries were looking for workers and having difficulty filling pretty good jobs, if not family sustaining jobs. Um, and now we get to a point where as I look around and figure out what, what, what does the landscape actually look like here and look at the jobs that are available? Are people turning on jobs that look like they always did? The answer is no. I mean, even, even entry-level jobs are now paying pretty significant sum for that kind of work. Um, there are major bonuses. There, there are increases in hourly or salaried pay. Um, if you're a, a job seeker, it's a pretty good time to be looking for work. Of course, it's still a really uh, questionable time to <laughs> to put yourself into a new workplace. We don't know what that looks like. Some of that has to be done on site. You may be concerned about that. Everybody has a number of reasons for not. Um, everybody who is who is looking for a job and maybe hasn't taken one yet might have their own reasons. It is not all of, all of a piece, but um, it's it's taking a toll on everything from the, your favorite restaurant that is closed on a Tuesday because that's the day they can't staff um, or closed for a week because somebody went on vacation. Um, you know, it impacts us, our, our the Erie Times News. And we have the same issue with our, our driver force and some of our, our routes are down because um, just filling those jobs is difficult. That, that never really has been the case before. That's that's it's remarkable, and and the idea that um, the, you know the narrative that was pre September was well as soon as these extra dollars dry up, you're going to see people flocking back to uh, to to work, and so a lot of employers, especially those that have really tight margins right maybe your your plastics uh, manufacturers out in west county or so on um they di they didn't want to raise their their wages if they if they could uh, get away with it because 
they they don't they don't necessarily see where they're going to be able to make it go. Well, we have seen higher un, uh, you know higher amount of open positions even now compared to we where we were in the summer, and so it's like it's it's like something really has to give. And it, it just may be that, uh, like you were saying, that before uh, before the pandemic, when we start seeing the telltale signs of people just leaving Erie, period, uh, that we just don't have that backfill of uh, up-and-coming workers. And it's just really, really remarkable. Um, and that, that, could, that could be a significant danger for anyone who wants to look at this place for economic development. It could, particularly as you look at all the investment happening now in, in a, an effort to do exactly what you said, draw in new workers. Uh, if it's a real challenge to do that, then uh, then spending that money is, is uh, something we're going to think long and hard about. But yeah. as, as we reinvent ourselves, and you know, the, the regrettable knee-jerk when, when somebody says that is that as a tourism destination, mm-hmm. we're far more than that. We, we are medical centers and, and higher education and a developing tech sector and, and a downtown that has so much promise for anybody who wants to come in and uh, be part of it, whether that's a small business or a larger business looking for a, a location somewhere in the area. Um, so the story we're telling right now is, uh, I think we're caught up in the same as everybody else, we're no different. So it doesn't distinguish us in any way, but where we go from here will be really critical. Yeah, how how do we really shine as kind of a community on the move uh, emerging from the pandemic? To me, that's where whether it's the opportunity zones or or you know some kind of program. Maybe it's this quiz that uh, Senator Laughlin keeps talking about of you know being able to reinvest uh, you know taxes back into our our uh, distressed uh, zip codes and so on. I, I don't know what the magic pill is, but it seems like uh, uh, we've got to figure out a way that would make us more attractive than the Toledos and the Cantons of the world. Absolutely. And and the other piece of that is continue to lift the, the uh, fortunes of the people who live here and are counting on a better future. Um, it's not just developing from the outside or bringing in development from the outside. Part of what we're doing, uh, if you look at opportunity zones, it's to invest in low-income neighborhoods uh, by definition and to, to use that development to spur growth there and, and, and um, spur uh, mobility, you know, upward mobility. So we're a little bit stuck right now. We, we have all the, the gears in motion or, or in place, but... Um, what comes out of that is yet to be told, and and certainly the the outcome of of COVID um, is going to be a character in that tale. Um, whether that's the duration of it and what that means in the long run, um, or its effect on on Erie in general. We we talk a bit about, and I've got like a minute left to, before the bottom of the hour. But we talk a bit about how we kind of lost ten years. With the collapse of Develop Erie, and now you know Tina Mangine's kind of picking up the pieces, trying to even have uh, shovel-ready or pad-ready facilities for those, maybe even Erie businesses trying to move up. Do you do you anticipate more reporting on that kind of thing? Of like, do we have the tools for economic development here in Erie? 
Absolutely. And I think as, as Brenton Davis comes in as county executive, that's one of his priorities. So, um, you know, that was one of his selling points during his campaign. And um, he has a, a, a pretty aggressive plan um, by any measure to take that on. And so even just in the coverage of, of the next administration, you'll see a lot of that. But that is also going to be one of the stories of, of where we go as a community from here. Matt, just to recap, we basically have definitely decided that COVID-19 continues to be the lead story in 2021. But let's uh, maybe tick off a few other uh, big ones here. And certainly the the launch of the Erie County Community College of Pennsylvania, if I can get the whole name in there, uh, is a huge, a huge story, a huge development. Of course, it's, you know, it was... It was uh, authorized last year, but in, in fruition this year. And some of the things of just how it is trying to level some of the playing field here in Erie, it, it just shows how much we've needed this all these years. Definitely. And to go back to where you started, you know, COVID is the story of the year and everything else happens in the shadow of COVID, mm. regrettably. Were it not for this, and you think about what occurred this year, the launch of the community college, um, EDC's um, progress, uh, among many other things, um, would be at the top of the list. And so at, at the start of August, I believe they had 800 applicants. I'm not sure what the actual enrollment is at this moment, but um, it absolutely does have the potential to, to create, as it's been said to me, and I, I find it very apt, to create the ladder between um, secondary education and higher education for people who either could not afford it or didn't think they would qualify. Um, in and of itself, it's going to provide higher education and training, job training for, for people who want to take advantage of it. For others, it is it is the thing that will fill the gap and allow them to get that four-year um, degree. And we'll really see its true value. Its true value will be in the way people use it. Um, it'll take a few years, but uh, it's launch and um, it's staffing, uh, everything about it and the way they're going forward. There have been a lot of jobs open and a lot of staff positions being filled um, as they go into their, their their second semester and into their second year. And it seems like they're able to recruit for faculty and for administration like nobody's business. I'm, they've really been able to do their uh, – cast their nets nationwide, and everybody is watching this community college here in Erie County, PA. Yeah, and again, it's regrettable that it's happening under the the, the, the shadow of COVID because right. we would see a lot more of it. We you know, have to spend a day in, with with the students um, without worrying them or going through protocols. Um, would be really interesting and, and to spend a little more time inside the operations. And, and certainly we'll do that as a news operation, but we wouldn't be alone. And, and there will probably be other opportunities for the community to to audit some of these things or just get a look at what this, this new um, operation looks like in, in the midst of our community. Another big story is the U.S. Census in Erie dropping to fifth largest city uh, in Pennsylvania. Again, one of those really weird, we don't know if COVID, well, we know that COVID definitely affected the gathering of the census data, but that was that's a universal uh, part of the formula. Somehow, Reading did better than we did in you know, gathering data, or we have seen severe population loss. We have, and, and it's been not just in the city, although it's been starkest in the city. 
Um, but 3.5% uh, of the county population gone over since the last census and uh, the county down to just 271,000 people and 94,000 people in the city or uh, significantly more than that uh, not long ago. So it's a real challenge. And, and we still, you know, we know that one of the fall, the drawbacks of that is, is the funding that, that we get um, at the state and federal level. And we don't quite know what that means yet. We haven't been able to put numbers to that yet. Um, I know that the, the mayor has indicated when it's possible, he believes he will uh, appeal. Uh, certainly there was a, um, most likely, like in every community, an undercount. Uh, to what degree we don't know but i think it was 73 percent of of folks who were contacted um to, to uh to reply by form or online right. um, so it left a uh, sizable you know a quarter of the community um for the census takers to go door to door with and uh, and there's definitely an undercount um part of that too is is the we had a drawdown on the number of, of new Americans who were resettling in Erie for, for a few years. And that definitely had an effect. Right. Just the actual closing of the border uh, for, for new, uh, new settlements has been tough. One, yeah. one area where we are contributing to bettering America is the existence of our logistics organizations. I think of Logistics Plus and Team Hardinger and some of the other you know, big players in this supply chain thing. And again, this is another one of those who would have ever thought that COVID would have such an impact on this, that you can't get your toilet paper in your, in your grocery store. Um, uh, do you feel like Erie's going to be a kind of a, a big player in, in solving the supply chain? That's a really good question. Um, Logistics Plus, of course, uh, a few years ago, purchased the building in which the Times News does its work. So they're our landlord. Um, and that doesn't mean I have any in great insights into their business, but it has brought me a little bit closer to them, yeah. you know, to people yeah. who work there. And I'm just continually amazed at the, the web they have to weave um, around the world. You know, their reach is so massive. It's incredible. And and by all means, and, and for all for all kinds of uh, cargoes. And so certainly they're affected. And, and I know Jim uh, Berlin has, has talked about it a few times in the past year or so, um, but they continue to grow and, and Hardinger and um, does an amazing job as well. So can it be? Certainly, uh, I don't have any insights into right. whether it will be, but logistics is a major player. We should not forget that this is a, a, a a large company with an even greater reach, and it is growing. We're very fortunate they're based here in Erie. And, and, a, and a lot of folks obviously are very happy that Amazon finally dropped one of their small warehouses here so they can get that overnight or, or even sometimes same-day delivery uh, of the big staples. That That's kind of a, a, a significant uh, situation there. Uh, you know, you're still seeing that kind of that going from – manufacturing to service not that manufacturing is dead by any stretch here in erie but we still you, you know have the steady decline of the the amount of manufacturing jobs here in erie 
Yeah, and, and the gigantic manufacturers, you know, the manufacturing at scale. Um, Wabtec certainly functions at scale, but it's not the scale that it was. Right. Um, but there are really bright and, and dedicated business folks and businesses that serve niche audiences, necessary audiences that we all benefit from and don't think a thing about. Um, we just need some some people to come in. Uh, maybe they're at the at the precipice of growth here. They're, they're ready to uh, to take the next step. Um, Technology is going to enable a lot of things. And you know, these past two years have taught us anything. It's what we really value and what we can do without. And so even our needs basis um, are, are changing and, and what we might be able to supply or what uh, might be able to manufacture here might change. So interesting. Do you feel like as far as manufacturing goes that uh, that there's a lot of hope still that a lot of the centers of focus that have come out of like the Garner report or you know what the what the Chamber of Commerce have proposed that that maybe we I know that COVID has got us distracted but maybe if we focus on a few you, you know items of success or a few items like right in our wheelhouse that we might be able to see some movement forward. Um, in 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 that realm you'd like to think so and, and one of the the major areas could be plastics gotcha we're, we're just at the start of doing whatever we're going to do with plastics and the the opening of the um, shell cracker plant in beaver county uh, has tentacles all over the place including up into erie county and directly to penn state bear and um, so what will what will that mean for us um, they've at one point, I was on an advisory board at Penn State Barrand, and that was four or five years ago, and they were already talking about plastics and, and how to ramp up their attention to it. So what does the attention at the educational level mean um, in, in, in uh, the launch of businesses here and the attention paid to plastics, just as an example? Yeah. That's 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 really remarkable. Uh, Matt Martin is our guest here. He is uh, the executive editor of the Erie Times News. I want to pivot to downtown. You mentioned the EDDC. They're not the only player, though. We have Pete Zafris, who is uh, rebuilding uh, on 12th Street. We have what Erie Events is finishing up there at the Warner and and that whole entertainment district. We've never seen these many cranes in Erie, PA before, Matt Martin. No, and we truly haven't, and that should not be overlooked. Um, I, I think, like anything, you know, when when you grow up with the Rocky Mountains in your backyard, you stop seeing the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> we're we're just seeing construction, the amount of construction, and and the critical mass of construction and other work, uh, reconstruction, um, from the residential all the way to the, the larger uh, companies, uh, again in university or beyond, um, is incredible and. I don't think at any single time in the history of Erie, you could say that this much has been going on and could have such a consequence for the community. I, I, I get a feeling like your editorial board meetings could be very similar to maybe uh, what folks would talk to Ed Mead about back in the late 60s or, uh, or, or late 50s, early 60s, when it, it seemed like everything was Erie's oyster. I mean, you could really get uh, caught up in the optimism that's coming from all of this movement. And I think we should, not to the degree that we're blind to the problems that still exist or the problems that might come about because of some of these things. 
but if we're not optimistic, what are we doing? Um, and you know, we have the Bayfront. The Bayfront is our jam. We all want to get it right. Um, we what's happening downtown? We want to get right. What's happening uh, in Mill Creek? We want to get right. There there are pockets hap of things happening everywhere, and and to get them right is is uh, our goal. The fear that we're not going to get them right is drives a pessimism in the conversation that is really defeating. And uh, I hope we can get around it. I hope we can just all take a deep breath and and provide the the best possible um, analysis to the people who are asking for it, whether that's the Bayfront Parkway, um, the Bayfront itself. Anytime somebody says, what should we do in this space? How can we make it better? How can we serve you? We ought to be answering in the affirmative. Too, too frequently I hear the, the negative, don't do or um, I don't like what you're you're proposing, but there's nothing that pops up next to it. And and that really deadens that optimism we should have for for the reemergence of our community. Do you think that the people are still kind of looking to the, uh, you know, the I call it the Buki plan, but uh, uh, I mean, looking to this planning, you know, Emerge 2040 just came out with uh, a five-year report yesterday. I mean, we, we've been able to gather a lot of public input on a lot of these plans, Embrace Mill Creek. And there's a lot of good thinking, a lot of good planning, and now it's just about execution and really lining up all the forces, private, nonprofit, and public, to make this stuff happen. And don't forget, we've got all this cash coming in through ARP, CARES, and now infrastructure. Correct. And that is the game changer. And how that is spent is going to define our future, not just five years or 10 years from now, but, but for decades and decades. Um, and so that's that's critical spending. Um, the Buki plan is it's interesting you bring that up because we we have a five year report on on Erie focused coming out uh, this weekend. Nice. And you know we the people we talked to who are critical to that plan and, and who implemented it and started following it uh, kind of say exactly the same thing. You know it it was the it was something we needed to provide an umbrella version. Of, of what had to happen in the city, what it might look like, what its difficulties would be, but also what its potential outcomes are. And so the Buki plan now sits over here. The action plan that was launched out of your refocus is far more important. And the EDDC, which is not something mentioned in the, in the Buki plan, but it was born of it. Right. It was absolutely born of it. And 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 all the, the accomplishments that come out of that um, are born of the Eerie refocused. And so I, I think we've, we took the energy out of Eerie refocused and put it into the places it needed to be, particularly in the public private nonprofit uh, partnerships that are critical to making anything of this sort go. There is, those are the folks who are driving it now, not what's set on a piece of paper five years ago. I've got about three or four minutes left with Matt Martin here from uh, the Erie Times News. I want to pivot to how the, uh, the media fits in this advancement of Erie, and particularly you, you guys being the you know the most consumed media here uh, in northwestern Pennsylvania. So, is it does it continue to be your role to be the 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 big mouth talking about moving Erie forward and making sure people are accountable. It absolutely is. Um, 
that COVID, COVID has stolen as much of our time as, as uh, we could possibly give it. Um, but that is on our agenda for, for 2022 um, to really get back to what we called Erie Next and, and put a uh, kind of a skeleton to the whole thing and, and see if we can see what happens as the flesh gets put on. Um, you know, there are different pieces of the Erie Times News, the editorial board and, and our editorial writer have a particular function. Um, our reporters have another, and that is just to cover what's happening and to do it in depth um, and to bring out things maybe we don't know, to grab context, not just be incremental, that something just happened, but to, to put it in the context of why it matters um, and what else happened around it that makes it matter all the more. So yeah, we're, I, I think we, we live in this, all of us live in this community or near this community. We all care about it. Um, and we have the ability to be advocates for the community in a number of ways. So we're gonna spend a lot of time looking at, at the growth and development of the community or stagnation. What we're not going to do is do that in, in the vacuum of growth is, is good for us without looking at who it might hurt and whose voices are not being heard in this. You'll see some of that in 2022 as well. What about the resources? Again, we were remarking that the paper looks different these days, mm -hmm. and certainly, um, you know, com coming under in some alignment with the Gannett Global brand uh, has impacted the Erie Times News. What you could, what can you tell us about all that? Uh, we're we're a smaller organization than we've been in a long, long time, and that's not necessarily due to Gannett. Uh, some of it has happened under Gannett's ownership, but um, you know, we have uh, just over 20 folks in, in our newsroom. When I joined in 1999, we had 88 and two newspapers. So there's a big difference. But some of the functions that those people were doing no longer exist here. They're, they're done uh, at a centralized location. Um, so we're smaller, and that means we have to pick our battles and, and spend our time with things that really should matter. Um, that's what we're trying to really get better at. Um, Yes, it may look different, uh, or maybe an article that you would have uh, been accustomed to seeing doesn't appear, but it's because we're spending time on something we think is going to matter more in your life and, and uh, to your ability to make good decisions tomorrow rather than spending that time uh, on something today. On the other hand, uh, the resources we have through Gannett um, are remarkable. We, we've never had access to this many resources at any time in, in the history of this company. And that goes back to 1888. Wow. Uh, the number of people who we can pull in um, at any moment to help us with uh, with almost anything, from advice to, to actually hands-on assistance. Um, the technology that's available to us, hardware, software, training is incredible. And, and I don't say this to, to blow smoke. This is I, I'm amazed by what we have available to us. And a lot of things, there's, there's just so much we can't take advantage of all of it at one point in time. Um, but I think, too, as COVID um, hopefully uh, gives us a little more space to operate, um, I'm hoping, like everybody else, that will be in the warm weather months of this coming year anyway, uh, we'll be able to bring some of those things to bear and do really wonderful things. Um, I think they're wonderful. Uh, terrific journalism uh, on behalf of the community, both digitally and in print. 
Do you feel that uh, you're able to still maintain the access to the reader, you know, you know, printing the letters to the editor, printing the, the your turns that are local? Uh, I'm seeing less and less of that. Yeah, that goes – there are two, two pieces to that. One is we tried a, a state approach to, um, to opinion over the past year, and we heard from a lot of folks that they, they didn't particularly like it. They like some of it, and so we're pivoting. Okay. We're going to go back to a local opinion page. Nice. Uh, we don't know what the frequency will be, but starting in January, um, you'll see a big section on Sunday, maybe as many as four pages of opinion. We'll determine what else is possible because really our, our opinion section is Lisa Thompson, our editorial writer. Right. Um, she's the one doing all the work. So because we haven't tried this yet, we don't know what her excess capacity will be. Lisa's not just the opinion director. She's also the engagement director mm -hmm. and it's, as you know, because you've been in some of the meetings with her, uh, what that means is going into the community and sitting down at meetings that we never report on, but which inform the conversations we have and the things we end up writing about. We're going to do more of that, uh, but we're going to do it more meaningfully. So Lisa will lead that. Um, so yes, uh, the other piece of it is we get fewer letters. I, I don't think people understand that. A lot of the letters that we do get are just unpublishable because they are screeds um, direct attacks on other people, Interesting. Uh, libelous, or based upon disinformation or misinformation, and we, we simply can't print them. But the ones we do get, as long as we can do it in a timely way, and sometimes we have to get those those in early on a, on a weekend advance deadline, um, we, we print as many as we can, and we hope we'll be able to print more going forward. Real quick, some inside baseball note: Have we gotten rid of like the 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 big white space at the top and the bottom, or when will that go away? When will like so the print a, equal the newsprint? Yeah, there, there's a. That's all dependent upon the pressure app. So it's we're not trying to waste space, but the press what we moved to in Canton has a different page size than what we have in printing on. Gotcha. Um, and so it, there's a little bit of space left over at the top, and eventually that will. That'll be taken care of, but uh, at the moment, that'll just continue. Yeah, it's it's not a big deal other than for the tabs, like for the showcase and stuff. It does it right. just doesn't fold very well. Um, Understood. Yeah, yeah. The and and let me ask you this: Do you feel like Erie, as a consumer base, is making the move to digital? Are you seeing where this digital first strategy? That gosh, I think you know, well before the sale of the of the paper was very well ensconced at the Erie Times News. Has that come to full fruition, or are we still very much of a uh, – we like our ink on paper around here? Um, our traditional readers like their paper, and they, they don't want to be told that there's an e-edition or a website or an app, <laughs> even if it's cool, and if they got there, they would maybe enjoy it. Right. Uh, they, they have a routine, and I do too. You know, mm -hmm. That's part of the, the comfort of – having a delivered newspaper or going to the store and buying a newspaper is sitting down with your coffee or your donut or lunch or whatever time you enjoy reading it and reading it in whatever order you like comics to sports to the front page or what have you but that said um this has been our, our best year for digital growth ever and wow. really i believe we're just at the start of it by that i mean we have a record number of new digital only subscribers but also our our uh, print subscribers um, continue to figure out their their digital access that they have it and that they can find different things online than they can in the paper. Our e-edition use continues to grow, and our app is actually one of our coolest things. 
Um, if you're an iOS user, you get a subscription to five other Gannett newspapers for free through the iOS app. We don't, we can't do it on Android yet, but um, that's one of my favorite things about it. So there are a lot of benefits to it and people are discovering that, um, but I'm really proud of the digital work we've done, but this is really a strong print community. Um, we look forward to being able to serve in print for a long time. And we we love the newspaper. You you know I'm one of the one of the biggest fans, and so we wish you very well. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to Matt Martin, Executive Editor of the Erie Times News and GoErie.com. Thank you so much, Matt, for your time today. My pleasure. Happy holidays. You've been listening to the Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>